Hey everyone, I'm back. You thought you got rid of me, but no. As I was just telling JT, I was canceled years ago, but I just didn't get the message. I'm Darren Jenkins. Welcome to another Drop the Mic podcast show. I am uh, fortunate. This kind of doesn't make any sense in a lot of ways that you haven't been on the show sooner. But um, I'm here with a friend, a brilliant guitarist, a what I after listening to I, I re-listened to your shit your 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 um your broad your your Broadway piece there your your piece de resistance your great musical and I was like wow okay all right yeah right. so and a great producer J T Curtis thanks for being on the podcast today thank you Darren that's uh, this is Darren Jenkins he is the man. Yeah, I'm, out I'm, of many talents. Yeah, not not really. I'm just I'm a guy trying to just stay safe from COVID is and and make it to uh, make it to Super Bowl. Um, I think that's most of us these days. Yeah, yeah pretty much right, um, dude. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know where to start. There's so much stuff. Here, but I'm going to start at the beginning because that's where I usually I take that thread and I pull on it and see where it goes. And I was reading your bio on your website, and for those of you, uh, jtcurtis.com. Um, that's right. Um, <laughs> um, it, uh, let's take a break for a second to talk a little bit about some filmmaking. So, you know, I have a lot of filmmakers who listen to our podcasts, and you should definitely check out Film Startup. Film Startup facilitates the incubation process of developing, packaging, and financing feature films from the script stage all the way into pre-production. This is achieved through educational courses, workshops, and development executive services using a process-driven approach of budgeting and scheduling, casting, legal counsel, data analysis, and much, much more. Package projects then go out to different investment opportunities. So if you have a film or if you're a filmmaker who is looking to get your films out there, get it financed, get get all these things taken care of, check out filmstartup.net and reach out to Kevin Christofferson at Kevin at filmstartup.net for setting up a free consultation session today. You started playing the guitar when you were eight years old. Yep. yep, I was eight. So that leads me to ask this question: So, is your family like a like a like? Is your household uh, the reason why I'm asking this? Is because and I'm gonna, I'm gonna bring this all the way back to something recent that I saw on your Facebook, where you and your father have this thing that you guys do on video used to do on video. And it just seems to me like the household was very creative. It must have been. So how is it that you started picking up the guitar? Well, my mother, Becky Curtis, who's still doing it today, Hmm. um, she uh, was a singer, uh, writer, uh, performer for uh, years. Like, geez, going back to, well, I think she'd hate me if I said years, but um, um, 
she had been performing for decades and she ended up working with a lot of really cool people. Like she um, sang with Otis Blackwell, who was famous for writing a lot of Elvis's most uh, uh, famous songs. He wrote Great Balls of Fire. He wrote mm. Fever. Um, and she sang backups with him. Um, I think it was at the Lone Star Cafe. Um, and when she was singing with him, him, she was pregnant with me. So oh, wow. I was... I was on stage. Yeah, I was on stage. It wasn't even born yet. Um, um, And um, yeah, I uh, always found the guitar interesting. There's footage of me as like a one year old or something. And my dad, just for a fun video, put a guitar in front of me. He's like, yeah, yeah, he's a rebel. He's playing the guitar, you know, (laughs) at one years old. Um, And then strangely enough that this would... um, kind of infer part of my career um i listened to the beatles Hmm. um discovered them and said i want to play guitar because uh, george harrison's playing guitar and that looks cool and then i guess about um two decades later i was playing him on broadway so (laughs) i'm yeah i remember playing uh, the chords i remember my opening uh on broadway i was playing the chords to can't buy me love his first song i ever learned on guitar and i was like hmm E minor, wow. E minor, A minor, I minor. This this feels familiar. Wow, wow, so. that's crazy. Yeah. I I started. I tried. Uh, I, you know, started learning the guitar thing about four years ago or something like. I think I think everyone remembers their first song, like the first one they learn. It's like you know, I think my first one was um, uh, Tom, um, Tom Petty's uh, "Mary Jane." That's and, a good one. Yeah, so I mean, it's easy. It, you know, it's not complicated. So, you know, someone of limited skills, like oh. this person, um, can can can, you know, get away with it. But um, so so you're eight years old and you're playing the guitar, and um, so you know, when you got into high school, did that? Did, were you like? You know, were you in a high school band? Were you playing like were you in any type of groups that kind of informed your 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 your, your knowledge? Well, I formed uh, my own band, Seventh Son, um, mm. in uh, I think Colin and I. Well, we were actually kind of playing Colin Cronin, who I started this band with. We wrote a number of songs. Uh, um, on this album that would eventually be called From the Beginning, which is still on Spotify, Apple Music, all that good stuff. Wait a minute, you actually cut a record too? Well, we did that mu- much, much later, but we wrote the songs at that time, at least gotcha. a couple of them. Uh-huh. Um, and then Seventh Son went through a couple of incarnations, and then by 2008, uh, I had recorded it and uh, done it with uh, the band at that time which included the Stephen Quattro's the fight professor um Adam Curry who later joined Candlebox um mm. Michael Russick um uh but when I was in high school um and it's weird I <laughs> I've this is the interesting thing about me in high school um I was really into blues music and classic rock oh. to kind of an obsessive point like i remember getting the allman brothers live at fillmore east and i obsessed over that record and even all my bandmates were like you do realize jt that there are other songs like there are other <laughs> albums and there's music that came after 1973 you know was there 
don't yeah, know. believe it or I, you know, because I would, I, I was such a snob at that time. Like I would even Nirvana, which is one of my favorite bands. I would just go, mm. oh, Nirvana sucks. Uh, Kurt Cobain can't play good solos. You know, I'd still be, you know, in my angsty teenage years, I'd be, you know, putting on my headphones, making sure nobody was listening, going, come as you are, <laughs> you know, but I didn't want anybody to know that. Who? <laughs> mm. So, so, you know, like who were some of your early, well, besides, I mean, if you're in blues, I mean, who were some of the early blues artists that you were listening to? Um, I mean, like B.B. King obviously was big. Okay. Um, he had put out an album with Eric Clapton um, called Riding with the King. Oh, yeah. That was a uh, good album. Yeah, I was obsessed with that album and then later went back to Clapton to listen to Layla and, you know, Cream and all that stuff. I, Cream I had known about because The Sunshine of Your Love was another one of first songs I learned. Mm. But then, like, my parents had a, um, an old vinyl record. I discovered everything with vinyl. But they had, like, um, the the blues uh I think I think the record was just called The Blues mm. and it was like that record that went around England and it had uh Muddy Waters it had Sonny Boy Williamson um uh, just so much so many people wow. um and then you know I knew that Crossroads was a Robert Johnson song I got um his entire collection and I found out that like Elmore James, because I was so into Dwayne Allman slide playing, mm. I was like, well, who who is he into? And it was clear he like he even says like on the Fillmore East album, uh, you know, Elmore James song. And mm. I got his record. I was like, oh, my God, this is so good. It's just everything <laughs> Elmore James did was just amazing. Yeah. And as a slide guitar player like that, Elmore James to me is still just the king of slide guitar. Mm. That's like the uh, I remember first time I've ever seen anybody play a slide guitar. I was uh, it was probably high school. I was taking um, we had this like unusual thing where the first half of, of your year was regular classes, but the second half of your year was one class and you get to pick whatever it was. You had to get permission to take it. And once you got permission, you could do it and it could be anything. Mm -hmm. And so my math teacher at the time was um, he decided he was going to teach a class in jazz. And I thought it was just going to be an easy class. I was just like, all right, cool. I'll take this, get out of school early. Yeah. <laughs> what I didn't learn, what didn't know was that I was going to come to love jazz. I I had, this was my first exposure to jazz. And so as a class project or class trip, he took us to see, um, he took us into the city to see uh, to the Red Parrot, which was at the time a really big jazz club. I mean, a lot of the famous guys played there. And and at the time, I believe um, I we went to see George Benson mm. and um, Spyro Gyra and somebody else. I can't remember who else was there playing, but there was this dude who was on stage playing with Spyro Gyra and he was playing this sly guitar. And I was just like, what the hell is that? That is so cool. Yeah, man. And you know, it's interesting. I'm talking about um, 
like Dwayne Allman, like people think, oh, the Allman Brothers, it's Southern rock, whatever. But like, he was like a big jazz guy. Like he loved John Coltrane. Like I Mm. think he, I think he said once he got kind of blue, he did the same thing I did. He just listened to that album and nothing else for a year. Wow. Um, so he really informed a lot of that music, like, you know, like whipping post is 23 minutes long and they've got these incredible jams Mm. and like, you know, and Dwayne was really good at saying, Hey, you know, that that's Miles Davis, that's Coltrane, you know, you got to go back to, you know, um, Bill Evans and all, you know, it's, uh, uh, and it's interesting because it was when I actually went to college for, studio jazz that I, I completely lost my taste for it. I, I, I hated it so much. Really? Wow. Yeah. That's it was interesting. Just, yeah. So it's kind of cool when I hear, um, uh, you really grew an appreciation for it. Cause I, I love jazz that, that, you know, before I went to USC, but man, did they just beat it out of me. I just couldn't stand mm. it. It was, they made it so technical. And so, and it's only now that I'm starting to kind of feel like I'm getting out of what I learned there. Right. Like you go back and I said, well, then go back to the source, like listen to Billie Holiday. Cause back then it was hard to mm. find things. YouTube wasn't a thing yet. Right. And you know, I'd listen to Billie Holiday doing, I'm like, well, what the hell? It's just a blues song. You right. Know? right, right, right. Yeah, that's it's funny how like when you uh, I got that way with art because, you know, in school I went for art and I was all into it beforehand. Once I got to school, I learned all this technical and the business side of it. And it was like, okay, I'm good. I don't need it anymore. I'm good. Thank you. Thank you very much. Yeah, you might as well just uh, get a degree in business, you know, or or poli sci or whatever it is you want to do. (laughs) So, um, so you mentioned you, you went to, so you went to college at USC? Yeah, I I only went there for a semester. I hate you. (laughs) It was like my dream school, man. Oh, dude, I, I'm sure I'm going to get a lot of Trojans mad at me, but, um, (laughs) Yeah, I I mean, it might have been different if I had been in another department because I think right, there right. were some some good departments. And I think even this, the guitar program was good at one mm. time, but the way it was being managed at the time was basically everybody has to be Joe Pass. It's like if you don't sound oh. like Joe Pass, then you're not interesting. And that's not a knock against Joe Pass. He's a no, great, no, he was no. an incredible guitar player. But you want to have a more diverse uh, learning experience. Yeah, like I went to a community college before then um i went to santa monica college uh, keith mm. vidmont was uh he led the the orchestra and that was a lot of fun that's where i really learned because i was mm. in a jazz ensemble and we had some great players mm. um and some guys like oscar Bashir, who's a famous uh, trumpeter he played with earth one and fire he you know he right. came on and he uh guest starred I, i've recently found video of me uh comping behind him whoa and, wow yeah he was oh my god he was was so good man he was just mm. great you know he kind of had a little bit of that miles quality to him you know not not mm. quite as mean um, mm. um i love miles but you know. uh, yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um but but no he was great um i'm trying to think uh i think john clayton's nephew was there there were, there were a few other people who were really good and then wow. they're but yeah, it was like this is a this is a uh, community college which I paid 
basically nothing for. And I got right. an associates while I was there. And I'm like, right. what, why do I feel like I'm learning so much more here than I am at the school I'm paying, you know, 17 grand a semester for? That sounds, that sounds about right. Yeah. 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 I, I am a firm believer in uh, community college. Like anybody who ever tells you, oh, you got to go to a really, really good school. I'm like, don't listen to them. Nah. <laughs> you know. I, I went to a relatively small school and, um, you know, I, I I'm besides some other things that I won't mention, um, I think that it was a good experience being at that small school from uh, both a cultural and learning experience. You know what I mean? It was just different. What was so, the school? College of New Jersey. Nice. So 5,000 people is not, you know, and, uh, and I think when I went there, it had, it was only like maybe like two or three years previous. It had converted from what it was originally, which was a, a nursing college for women. So, mm. um, yeah, so um, I kind of came right at the right time. So um, as they were kind of still converting over, it was great for because it was a lot of women. But we won't get into all that, you know. Oh, yeah. um, we'll, we'll talk about that afterwards. That's a yeah. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> um, that's that's the uncut pub. That's the uncut. Yes. Um, so you so so you're out in, in, in the, on the west coast. When did you come east? Uh, 2010, but I, but I had been there a number of times before, uh, 2010. Oh, wow. I feel like, so when the heck did I meet you? I must've mentioned, when did we meet? I like, we met with, through Chris and I've only known Chris for a, across Chris Saunders for a little while. Yeah. Chris Saunders. (laughs) I know he's watching, but whatever. Um, I love you, Chris. Yeah, well, we have some time so. Anyway, uh, no, so, uh, oh, wow. I feel like, I don't know, for some reason, I felt like, I feel like you've been here so, like, so much longer, but. Um, uh, that's the impression I live. It's like, yeah, I've known JT for what seems like a long time. It's like, wow, wow, it's been a long time. No, damn, it's only been 10 minutes. <laughs> oh, wow. It just feels like a long time. It just time. feels like a long time. No, um. I mean, so what was the impetus behind making that transition? Um, I just was not happy in L.A. And everybody in the industry at that time said, if you really want to get somewhere um, in the music business, get the hell out of L.A. because it's too saturated. And it might seem like New York is more saturated, but because New York is kind of centralized, you know, it's kind of there seems to be like this common ground. At least when I came here, it's a little different now. Right. Um, but in LA is just so spread out. I got tired of driving four hours to go everywhere and oh, sitting yeah. on the four hundred five. Yeah. Um, um, and yeah, there was just something about New York. I guess you know it is kind of that allure of coming to New York. You know, the city that mm-hmm. never sleeps. And the few times I've been there, I played at um, Kenny's Castaways. Oh, um, Kenny's Castaways! Yeah, yeah, that was kind of our home for a little while. Um, sadly, it's not there anymore. But you yeah. know, and I refuse to go in the place that has uh, uh, replaced it. Um, I don't even know what replaced. What pl- I don't even want to. Do I want to know what replaced it? It's a it's a restaurant. You know. oh, that sucks, man. 
Yeah. Yeah, I know. It's unfortunately there's a like the back fence used to be next to it, which I was not as much a fan of. But, right. you know, it was there at least. And that place is gone, which is probably for the best. To yeah, be honest yeah. With you. <laughs> yeah. Well, some things, you know. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, I, I, I know everybody has this, um, fantasy about all oh, these clubs and stuff like, I, you know, it's like, you know, people talk about CBGBs and, you know, it's, we got this mm-hmm. romanticized vision of it, but then I know guys will tell me, oh, dude, I went to CBGBs all the time. It was a dump. Oh, it was a total <laughs> like, dump. Yeah. That's but it was our dump. That, that's, that's exactly what they'll say. Yeah. 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 It was, yeah. it was, I mean, I've been there a number of times. I'm not going to say, I'm not going to lie. There are nights when I'm like, I, I'd be there going, why am I here? Like literally, why am I here? You know, it's interesting. I was talking to somebody about this. Everybody talks about the scene, like the scene back then. I'm like, there wasn't really a scene. There just happened to be some cool people that passed by there. I mean, we know the Ramones were there. Yep. Um, Patty Smith. And when the police first came over, that's where they did the first gig. And yep. I don't think they had a big crowd when they played there, um, yeah, but it's just kind of a cool thing now. It's like, oh, CBGBs, that's where the police play. That's where punk was invented. You know, it's right. now looking after the fact, you can say that like, you know, it's like, you know, like I play a Cafe Wall all the time and Cafe Wall obviously has a reputation. Yep. But, you know, it's not like there's a, a scene necessarily. It's just we're playing there. But if mm. for whatever reason I become famous one day, they'll be like, Cafe Wah, that's where JT Curtis played. Yeah, that's exactly, got. man. You, you, <laughs> you know. You'll be one of those guys that'll be like, remember when, you know, so, you know. Oh, God, I hope not. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's like, uh, was it the bitter end that has that wall with all the uh, um, different people painted on behind the bar? And Yeah. And there are a couple of which probably <clears throat> shouldn't be up there anymore, but we didn't get into that. One of which just got out of jail. I know. I I, I, I don't know if we should talk about this or not. My, my dad actually worked with him. Oh, really? Yeah. Uh, my dad, um, probably a bunch of people don't know. My dad was a writer producer. We talked about the creative thing. Mm. Um, he went to film school at NYU. Um like then this was in the 70s this was like the you know the time for film um and so he was working at cbs and they had a new cosby show not the cosby show a a different one felicia rashad Mm. was also on it right um and cosby was well known for being really difficult to work with and my dad had to work with him and he he told me he was like Bill Cosby was the second worst person I've ever worked with. Wow. Yeah. I'm now, I mean, now I'm not surprised, but if you had told me that like 30 years ago, when not, I'd be like, <gasps> you know. Well, to be fair, um, you know, we were warned. Um, yeah. From, yeah. Uh, Eddie Murphy, when it was just like, you know, I would like to talk to you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Eddie has, that's the funny thing about it. I mean, Eddie has not backed off some of the stuff that he he still says to this day about that, you know, so, yeah, you know. And, it, and it's interesting. I was really talking to somebody about this. Like, I, he, he totally deserves to be, um, you know, he needs to go, you know, justice needs to be dealt for his crimes. But mm. 
I do have to say, I don't think we should trivialize the importance of the Cosby show and the fact that, I mean, it's funny, man. It was yeah. like such a big show and it was a big part of people's lives. And, yep. you know, so I think it's one of the, it's like the Michael Jackson thing or anybody. It's like, you know, can we separate the art from the artist and still realize that, you know, hey, this person did some incredible things, but they're also kind of, you know, messed up human beings. Yeah. Well, a lot yeah. messed up human beings. A lot. Yeah. Actually, I was just listening. I shouldn't even. Um, Dave, you owe me this, man. <laughs> so I was listening to Midnight, the Midnight Miracle podcast earlier today, and they had the same conversation about um, uh, Louis C.K. And sure. You know, like just being able to like, like you said, separate the art from the man, you know, and, you know, it's, it's it, it, if it's funny, it's just funny. I mean, this, I mean, what, you can't, what are you supposed to do? You can't suddenly say sure. in retrospect, I shouldn't laugh at it, but you know, you can disapprove of him as a person without hating the stuff he's done in the past. Sure. From, absolutely. From, from an art standpoint, but, uh, you know, I, and I t can totally understand how, you know, somebody who's dealt with issues can say, like, it's very uncomfortable for me to oh, yeah. listen to Bill Cosby or see him or whatever. That That's oh, all. All of it is justified. It is all 100 percent justified. And, yeah. not, you know, there's I'm let's put it this way. Did you also hear that he said that he's thinking about going back out on the road to do stand up? I'm like, good dude, luck. good luck. If I want to see that room. Yeah, that's like, that's like that's like Michael Richards saying he's going to go out and do stand up oh, in, would, in the Bronx, in the Bronx at, at midnight <laughs> yeah. after just winning the lottery. I met I met him as well. Oh, um, did you? Oh, he's he's a nutcase. I mean, he's you know a he's amazing comedic wise, like the stuff he did on Seinfeld. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. Yeah, he's. I think he's just legitimately kind of messed up and. Mm. Yeah. It's funny. I, I used to do a little bit of stand-up comedy just for fun. And I remember doing a set at the Laugh Factory where that happened. Mm. And like, you know, it, it was a weird vibe over there. Like the engineer was on the console, like watching. <laughs> Waiting to see if he said anything that was going to have to be. <laughs> All right. That's enough. Okay. Time out. Page off. Let's whatever. Let's go. You're exactly. out. Exactly. <laughs> Hmm. So you're back here. So you so you get here in 2010 in New York City. And so uh, <clears throat> how did you how how did you start to, you know, get yourself entwined in the in the in the music space? Um, did you start doing any open mics? Were you like, did you form another band? Um, I did both. I um, my friend. Uh, uh, Jason Rosen, Papa J. Mosul, they had the um, the big jam over at Kenny's Castaways. It was every Tuesday night. Um, he mm. still sometimes does it over at the Red Lion now. Um, and um, that's where I met, you know, uh, Darcy McRae, the drummer who I'm still playing with today. Um, Arthur Miliazza, who is a piano player. Um, Oh God, uh, a lot of people, a lot of people I still play with to this day. Um, mm. And we formed a band, uh, it was called Mad Mongoose. Uh, Tetsuya Sato was her bass player at the time. And um, What kind of music was it? 
You know, I was really into R&B at that time, oh, like cool. insanely, like I had just gotten like the best of Earth, Wind and & Fire and I was obsessed with them. I was obsessed with Average White Band. I always get obsessed with, I go through my obsession periods. Uh. Um, and uh, so I was writing a lot of songs, like uh, songs that appeared on the um, One Last Stand record were like um no room to move and uh shake it off not to be mm. confused with the taylor swift song which came out later um <laughs> and uh and it's funny i i just did a video on earth wind and fire um yeah i, I was gonna ask you about that yeah and when i was listening to can't hide love again which is if you've never heard can't have love is such a good song especially when they do it live there's a lot oh, yeah. that live version is really good oh yeah and and i'm listening to them, i'm going Oh, well, this is where Shake It Off came from. <laughs> it, not not quite, but, you know, the, there's no inspiration. Big, yeah. There's no big long slide solo at the end of Can't Hide Love, but but mm. there should have been. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, um, I just I, I would go to a lot of open mics. I'd, you know, try to get any gigs I could get. And then slowly but surely, you know, I started getting a reputation and. Mm. Um, and, uh, you know, people say, hey, um, JT, I need you to fill in for me here. Um, you know, a couple of weddings are like, hey, uh, you know, we need you. We'll pay you uh, a lot of money to come play a wedding. I'm like, all right, I'll, I got a yeah, suit well, over at the Salvation Army. Okay. Um, and that's the move. Let me tell you, people don't sleep on the Salvation Army, man. No, man. It's, you know, listen, if you want to go get like the nice suit, wait until you have a couple of gigs first and then go get the nice suit. Just right. go to the Salvation Army, find one that's your size, go to a couple of them if you need to, yep. you know, get a tie from H&M and then, you know, just go out. And I think I got a tuxedo from there for a, a extra role that I was doing for some commercial like years ago. I was like, I can't afford a tux. And I was like, oh, wait, let me go to the Salvation Army. And I think I got it for like 40, 50 bucks or something like that, man. It was great. Nice. Oh, yeah. No, it's yeah. I never, never. And it's funny. Um, nobody has ever. I still wear like that one to some of the uh, gigs I do and nobody ever asks me about it. Like, well, that's yeah. not actually, that's not true. Hank Lane at once. Asked me about that, but, <laughs> um, but they're, you know, I, I don't want to, I don't want to bad mouth them. They, they've been nice to me. So <laughs> yeah, it's still, you know, I mean, uh, Hey, it, it, you give, it's still you know, a great idea, especially when you're, 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 you're low on, on ca capital. You know what I mean? Exactly. Um, so you, so I was looking at something on YouTube, one man band. Mm -hmm. What in the heck is that? Um, it I sounds use, really cool. That's why. I like. Thank you. When I um, when I was a kid, I knew how to play guitar, drums, keyboard. I taught myself to play keyboards, and I played bass. So and and you're I, reading music when you like you're doing this. You can read music, so you're not playing by ear, correct? Um, I I was almost always playing by ear. I do okay. read music, but it's kind of like that uh that joke. Um, how do you get a guitar player to turn down? Put a sheet of music in front of them. Yeah, that is yeah okay. Which is very is pretty <laughs> accurate. <laughs> um, you know, uh, un unless there's any uh, Broadway guitarists listening, then yes, I read great. Um, mm. <laughs> but um, 
Yeah, I would do these demos at home. Like I would try to, you know, recreate songs. Like I remember even doing like themes. I did the Terminator theme at one time. Oh, that's cool. Um, which is in a weird time. I think it's like 13, 16 or something. Um, and um, I started um, doing uh, like I would literally just track myself. And then one day... I got the idea to do a cover. I don't know which it was yet. Um, and I filmed myself playing drums mm-hmm. and playing guitar and playing bass and keyboards and singing. And then I would uh, piece it all together. And that's right at the time when YouTube was just starting. Mm. So I put that on and I was at that time the only person who did one man band videos now that they're a dime a dozen you can find them everywhere right but i was the first guy to do that <laughs> <laughs> the um, first baby and the funny thing is that like i did one for um come together um the beatles and i kind of dressed up like lennon i had the army jacket i mm. you know i wore no shoes when i was playing paul and i flipped the video uh so it looked like i was playing left-handed um and that got me a little bit of attention and when i uh reached out to let it be which is the broadway show i did they were like oh we've seen your video before what wow yeah Um, that's so cool yeah so that was almost like my audition material so like oh okay well we know this guy actually can play so Mm -hmm. and then the rest was history wow that's so cool that see that's that's because you know you get so many people to do these youtube videos sometimes and i think some people like yeah you get a lot of maybe you get a lot of views and stuff but you always wonder if anyone like of substance has been any like in that mix of people so to get that kind of validation is really cool you know oh yeah well, and it's interesting. I'm going through, I do a show called History of Rock and we're going through the 2000s. And I was um, surprised to find out that because of YouTube, a lot of like, um, you know, for example, um, uh, Panic at the Disco, that video was on YouTube. Um, I write Sins, Not Tragedies. And that was huge. Everybody yeah. watched that. The one yeah. where he's like the ringmaster. Um, and a couple of, a couple of people got really big through YouTube. It's, yeah. um, you know, technically I've got a YouTube channel that's doing kind of well. So, yeah, I was going to mention this, what you've got, I was watching like these anima, dude, first of all, the, like, what, the, like, so, do you sleep? Like seriously? Cause the production to do something, one to just do one of these must take a significant amount of time and research oh, and the, listening. The, the, the history of rock videos take a really long time to do as my subscribers will tell you, <laughs> um, uh, which is why we really only do one a year. Cause they right. just take a really long, especially with COVID. It was like last year we couldn't do one. Um, right. Right. Um, but yeah, it, it does take a long time. It, it helps that I know a lot of this already. So sure. I don't need to go combing through a million books about it. And I'll, obviously, you know, I, I do cheat and look at Wikipedia a lot, but then I'll go look at the sources that they're using and I'll you know right. go through a lot of stuff. Um, right. Um, and 
thankfully my fans will tell me like at the end we say who do you want us to talk about next and they'll say oh hey make sure you talk about panic at the disco or you know rage against the machine or you know like oh, oh yeah we forgot about them Let, let's check them out you know that's um, cool because you can and, keep people engaged yeah and I'm pretty, you know, I guess I'm lucky that, I mean, my dad was the director for the first two videos, the 50s and the 60s, before he got mm. sick. Um, okay. So, you know, he was behind the camera and he kind of built the framework for, because I told him what I wanted to do. Uh, Nick Petrella was doing it with me and he was behind the camera and he would be the one saying, okay, well, let's get like these kind of shots. You know, we didn't have great lighting, you know, we didn't right. have lights at all, but right. he would be the one who just kind of knew how to kind of angle it, you know, and use the right settings on the camera Right. until we got to the seventies and I did it myself and it looks like ass. But <laughs> <laughs> Thankfully by the eighties video, we, we figured it out, mm. but yeah, that, that 70s one was hard to do. Um, it almost feels I was as I'm watching these, they almost feel like like if like, you know, like these you, you ever remember the um, what was the history channel that used to do the biography um, shows? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So almost feel like if you took that. And, mar- and and married it with like the early MTV, um, uh, like early MTV, and then marry that with like thirty for thirty. It was just very like, and it felt like very. That's why I was very impressed because, you know, thirty for thirty, even though it's thirty minutes, it takes a. There's a lot of production that goes into it, right? And um, yours is not slouching, dude. I'm like, dude, seriously. Thank you, man. Well Thank done, you. well done. And um, what, 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 what was the inspiration behind trying to do that? Um. It was a couple of different things. I'm talking about this a little bit. Um, I was into a lot of uh, YouTube videos at the time. I had another YouTube channel, which I don't even want to talk about. Um, mm-hmm. um, so I had a little bit of of uh, a fan base that, well, most of them didn't move over, but some of them did. Um, right. I kind of had to rebuild uh, the JT Curtis Music channel plug. Right. Um, but... I think I had always thought about it. Like there were a couple of videos like uh, I remember Linkara. I don't know if anybody remembers him. He did uh, the history of the Power Rangers. And it sounds very, very silly, but it's a very, very fun series. Um, And I was just thinking, well, I mean, I've always wanted to do that with rock and roll because I always found rock and roll history so fascinating. Right. And I just kind of did it. But what I kind of thought about is like, well, how am I going to do this? Like, if it's just me talking about rock and roll and showing clips, that, that'll be kind of boring. Right. So Nick Petrella, who I had been working with on another thing, I said to him, hey, I'm thinking about doing the show. Do you want to come on as like kind of, a, you know, like a, you know, a comic relief sort of character? And mm. he knew enough about, you know, rock and roll music, but you know, less about it to where he could kind of be the guy who says, well, wait a minute, what about this? I don't understand that or whatever. So he's great for those moments where he's like, I don't understand. What about this? Like he can be the audience saying, uh, you know. okay. otherwise he's just a big pain in the ass that I'm constantly trying to get out of my apartment. <laughs> and it's funny. You mentioned the original MTV. I'm talking about my dad again. I'm trying not to talk about him too much, but gotcha. um, he had a show in 1980, 81, called Disaster Peace Theater on Channel 6 San Diego, 
which basically was pre-Mystery Science Theater 3000. They would show the worst movies of all time, have little skits in between. And it's like we're doing the exact same thing, basically. Mm. So when people tell me, oh, you're ripping off the Nostalgia Critic, you're ripping off uh, Angry Video Game Nerd, I'm like, well, first of all, they ripped off uh, Mystery Science Theater 3000, and they ripped off Disasterpiece <laughs> Theater, you know, who so, the host is the, the director of this video. So, yeah. so you know, go away. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, it's a great – I like the – you know, I, I love – I love it because, you know, I love music and just um, having like these little vignettes uh, to be able to explore different decades of, of music, I think is really quite smart and quite, quite useful for anyone who loves music, obviously, to me. Um, is there is there any decade that you is particularly your like one of your favorites? Um, I mean, I'd say of the videos, the sixties one is probably my favorite because once again, talking about my father, my dad did a, uh, character called the annoying hippie bum. Mm. Um, and because it was just like a joke we did in the 50s video, but in the 60s video, he saw the Beatles on the Ed Sullivan show and he was at Woodstock, like the actual Woodstock. Oh, word. And he told his entire story like in character. Um, and then later when he passed, I realized we caught that on video of him talking mm. about it. So like when we I put a video together and I had all that footage of him talking about, which you have to tell everybody, well, he's in character. He's, he's pretending to be, uh, you know, a silly character, but everything he says is like spot on. Mm. Yeah. I mean, I would say the late sixties going into the early seventies is really not just the best period for rock and roll, but R and B and jazz also, you know, aside from like maybe the early fifties stuff, but man, it, there's so much good. A lot of, a lot of things were invented during that time. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of innovation, a lot of innovation in that. And that people are still stealing to this day. It's, oh, yeah. So that's when you know it was a great decade. Oh, yeah. But I would also say that, you know, like there are I did have somebody comment is like, well, you know, yeah, the 80s is kind of where rock and roll died. I'm like, no, do the 90s. Like that was a great decade for rock and roll. Yeah. And I've got very nostalgic feelings for the 90s. I mean, that was like the last really, really solid rock and roll period. Yeah. I mean, you know, it had its moments in the 2000s, but man, like right. the Seattle scene exploded. You know? Right, right, right. You still had like, I mean, the 90s still gave you a few of those big band rock bands, you know, the rock, rock bands, yeah. you know, that was really the, you know, probably, you know, the last of those, that, that breed. And, um, and there were some good, some really good, like you said, Seattle was just crushing it at that point in time. Everybody was like, Oh, you know, let's go to Seattle and make music. Eh, that's not how it works. But, uh, <laughs> for good, no, for good but, thoughts. Yeah. You know, it's, it's like I said, it's like people talk about the scene, but it just happened to be that there right. were some really, really good bands in that area. And because Nirvana came out suddenly, Pearl Jam got attention. Soundgarden. I mean, Soundgarden is one of my favorite bands of all time. They got attention. Yeah. Um, Candlebox. I mentioned them earlier. Uh, Adam Curry's playing with them. They were from Seattle. They were big. 
um you know and on the the riot girl circuit you know you had um uh you know rebel girl and stuff like that mm. you know um you know yeah there, there was a lot there was a lot going on over there yeah i i could talk music all the time i sometimes i, I think about like my love for music i i don't understand like how how i, I think because my family we grew like my mom played music all the time in the house all the time right so and i was like well how come i didn't go into music or something what what the fuck man just <laughs> so stupid i don't get it but um speaking of it's because you're <clears throat> smart what's that no you're smart. <laughs> i wish i i wish I, you know when i was in high school i there was nothing more that i could like if someone told me Darren, you got You could have two things. You can either be the lead singer for Duran Duran, or you can go to school and learn how to calculate the circumference of a circle. Uh, I'm gonna go go to Duran Duran. <laughs> Screw that. Let me tell you. Um, so, <clears throat> speaking of some of the great bands of rock, you had an experience of playing Fleetwood Mac music. I did. Yeah. Which I think you were doing when I first, when I met you, I think that's what you were doing, right? Yeah. We had just, um, Macwood Fleet was a band we had just put together, which is a tribute to Fleetwood Mac, Macwood Fleet. haha. Um, and the whole reason that came around is because I was on the road with Let It Be and um, you have a lot of downtime. So I was learning a bunch of stuff just to learn. And rumors came up and I was like, well, you know what? I just learn all of rumors just to kind of, you know, have mm. it under my belt. And I got to the song Never Going Back Again. I was like, whoa, this this is a tough one. I mean, the finger picking on that is Lindsey Buckingham is an incredible finger picker. I was like, this is challenging. And mm. I said, you know what? I actually want to do a full Fleetwood Mac show. And Emily Seiber, mm. who I was working with at the time, was a keyboard player, singer. I'm like, she would crush this because you need a really strong Christine McVie. Right. Um, and that's where it came from, you know? <laughs> wow. That's so... So that was I, I think I don't think I got to listen to you guys or watch you guys play, but that I love Fleet Move Mac. I think they're so good. Oh yeah. Like they're just I feel like on a some level people don't appreciate how good they really were. But when you listen like on a good pair of headphones, if you put them on and you can listen to you just leave, listen to Stevie and you just hear the um like the raspiness of her voice and just how she unknowingly like kind of guides herself over these notes and shit. Right. I'm just like, damn dude. That, I, I mean, I wish I was like in my twenties when they were playing so I could see them live. Yeah. Cause that must've been amazing. Oh, I'm sure it was. Um, and even probably, uh, 
more underappreciated is their original guitar player, Peter Green, talking about mm. blues. I mean, like, I, that was another one of my snobby moments. Like, back then, it was like, <laughs> uh, Fleetwood Mac sucks. They were only good when Peter Green was with them. Then they <laughs> sucked. Stevie Nicks sucks. That everything sucked back then. Just if it came out after 1973, oh, it just it sucked. <laughs> <laughs> this is the way I thought when I was 17 years old. I was a very stupid boy. So you know. I think, though, I think at 17, we all like, I think 17 year old boys are like arrogant about their music. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't care what it is. It just, you know, if, if Michael Jackson was your favorite at that time, he was the greatest and everything else sucked. That's right. That's right. And it's funny. That's that is actually the I think in many ways where the inspiration for Atomic Rod Reunion, the uh, podcast musical came from. Well, so let's get into that, because um, I like I said, I lived before we started. I I went and listened to uh, it again and. Man, let me tell you, like I listened to it live. I remember watching it live going on and then I listened to it again, just like yesterday and and part of it today. And is this an album? Is this going to be an album? Because Um, let me tell you, this sounds like a fucking amazing rock album. Thank you. Now, I, I would like to make a soundtrack album out of it for sure. It really is just wonderful to listen to, dude. I have to, I have to you. tell you, um, you really fantastic job. Um, some of those, I mean, how, how, I don't want to jump. How did you, how did you and Megan kind of link up? Um, I only met her fairly recently. Um, sh- um there's um she plays bass uh for another art, uh, guitar player who I know named Monty. How are you Monty? Um if you're listening. Um who's a fantastic like she's like kind of we talked about the Riot Girl thing like she's just, you know, awesome kick-ass guitar player and singer and that, you know, punky thing. Mm. And Megan was her um bass player and singer and i checked out her stuff on, and i found her doing songbird it's like ooh, you know because emily and i were not really talking to each other at that time mm-hmm. um uh which we are now i love you emily um and um and uh so i was thinking oh maybe she'd be good for the fleetwood mac show and um then i saw her perform um uh, i forget where it was she was and i was like you know what because i'd already written the thing i'm like she should be Raven Jones. She's got the voice. She obviously plays mm-hmm. bass and she's just got the look. It's like, I should ask her if she wants to. And we did, um, we did a showcase of, it was the first time I did a showcase of atomic rod, the band for the, for those of you listening, um, the basic idea it's, it's about a high school band from the two thousands that reunites 10 years later, mm-hmm. which may, maybe at this point I should change that. Um, um, but, we did a showcase of it in early 2020 and then, and I had all plans for what we were going to do with it. And then guess what happened? So what happened? Yeah. It couldn't be anything that could have happened over the last year and a half. Yeah. Yeah. What, what, what yeah. I, I, Hey man, I, I don't even remember it. So. <laughs> uh, 
Wow. Oh, good. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, who, so what's your, what's your, like, did you compose everything? Like, what's the, how did you, it just seems like a lot of work, man. And, Oh yeah. Oh, I, it was it years like, of work. Like, so did you do most of who did something like, what was the co- collaboration on like the, the writing of the songs and this and all of the, uh, you know, that kind of stuff. Well, uh, me and Amanda cross who co-wrote this with me. Oh, Amanda. Um, What's up, Amanda? Hi, Amanda. Um, we, um, I had come up with the idea for the, uh, I think because at that time it was the 10 year anniversary of my band breaking up in high school, which I'm still, I'm not bitter about anymore. I mean, maybe a little bit. (laughs) (laughs) Not bitter at all. And, um, and I was writing the character of Raven Jones, who was is very, very, very loosely based on uh, my guitar player at that time, um, when I was in high school. And um, so, um, I at the time I talked to Amanda about it because I get you know I'd like to get you know the female perspective on it as well. And we wrote a bunch of songs. And um, so, like I wrote like Last Day of Summer. I th- no, actually, what was. I don't know if Last Day of the Summer was the first one I wrote or it was Sweet Raven. I wrote Sweet Raven when we were on tour in Mm. um, New Zealand. And then there were a couple of ideas I had and stuff. And I talked to Amanda and I would get together and we'd sit down and write. Um, I remember she, we worked on Want to Get Crazy. We wrote all the lyrics to um, Crazy Jane. Everything's crazy in this. Um, (laughs) And then we started talking about, um, you know, the book itself. And, you know, she kind of helped inform the characters. And then when we were doing the radio uh, drama, um, you know, I was thinking, well, who's going to play everyone? And I was like, well, we should get Amanda, but I've already got Megan playing um, Raven. And I had changed that this one character who was just uh, the character may who's the keyboard player. Hmm. She wasn't in the band when I first wrote it. It was just some guy. Um, and may was more like a side character, but she sort of grew and grew with each draft I wrote. And then when we did the, uh, first showcase, um, Joan Chu, who's usually my bass player, bass player for Led Zeppelin, uh, all female Led Zeppelin tribute, which is really awesome. I, mm. um, she played keyboards because she plays keyboards as well. And I just kind of liked that configuration of, uh, you know, so I thought, well, why don't I make May the keyboard player? That would be just be kind of, and she's such a fun character too. She's kind of this, you know, like know it all, uh, somewhat shy school you know bookworm and this piano playing prodigy and i was like Mm. that sounds more fun for a radio play because the other character didn't do anything except play keyboards Hmm. wow i mean and so amanda played uh that role Mm. wow i um the I have a few favorites on. I'm gonna, you know, my favorite, my three. I love them all, first of all. But my the three that, like, I, I remember listening to um, uh, "Wanna Get Crazy," and it's funny because I, I had my headphones on and I was kind of doing some work while I was listening, 
and this song came comes on and I'm and I kind of just stop and I'm like what what is this what what the fuck is this this is really good what the hell is this and I had to find it on the in my browser I was like oh I was like oh this is good this is really I mean dude uh I mean you know I, I'm your friend but I'm also I will I will honestly tell you that I was very impressed by like everything the production was well like really well done who's the um who was the radio the dj um that was rj campbell he's a actor um i worked with him on an nyu uh project um and when I, I I kept thinking, well, who the 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 DJ character has to be someone really good because he's mm. literally got to carry this thing for sixty minutes. You know, mm. that's you know, and I even kind of changed the character to be kind of a Howard Stern sort of personality because of that adaptation. Right. And he did a reading for us. Like I just invited him because we needed someone, and he just did a great job with it. You know, yeah. he just had that voice. CD. He sounds like a '70s radio DJ. Like I, I was taken back to WABC instantly. I was like, this dude sounds like he's been on the radio for a long time. <laughs> yeah. No, he he was fantastic. Just absolutely, absolutely amazing. It was a great cast. You did a great job casting this i think um that it's it was it was it's wonderful to listen to i I think it's wonderful to listen to as its whole i think it's a wonderful thing if if this will the music is just it's a an album that's why i said if you make this if you create this as a as a sound soundtrack or an album i don't know what they would call it but it would be it's just it 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 has a feel like there's sh- shades of um, uh, what um, what's it called? Uh, what, uh, Eddie and the Cruisers. Mm. It, it has not the not the. It has the same kind of energy of this period that you know where music was golden and and there's this because you know how radio used to make stars. You know what right. I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, it it felt like when you listen to it, it felt like the person you, the music that was there was, oh, this guy's going to be a star, and that's what this made me feel like. Oh man, that's that's great, man. I'm glad you dug it. It was, um, it was, uh, it was fun to make, but and it's I, I'll tell you a very interesting thing that happened when I finished it. Mm. Um, you know, I, I think a lot of artists go through that moment where they finish something um, and they're a little, you know, kind of on ice about it because they've been working on it for a long time and sometimes right. it doesn't come out the way you want it, but you got to put it out. Um, but the, I, I did actually have kind of, I think it might have been just like, you know, so much had happened in 2020 and I was listening to go, man, is anybody going to like this? Is anybody mm-hmm. really going to get into this? Am I even interested? Because that was the hard part. Because before that, I hit the last thing I had put out was Elements, which was this, you know, twenty-minute prog rock esoteric uh, piece about life and death that I 
could have given a shit whether people liked it or didn't like it. It was, you know, for dedicated to my father. It was, you know, dedicated to a lot of things. Right. It's still one of my favorite things I've done. So to go from that to this admittedly a little more simplistic music, which is for a reason, you know, 90s music was very simplistic. Right. Um, I think there was that moment where I kind of went through the identity crisis from like, man, I don't know if this is that. If, I don't know if this is good enough. And mm. yeah, man, I'm sure, you know, we you've done went through this, too. It's just yeah. as an artist, you're just like, oh, man, I, I don't know if I want to do that. Out. I'm like that every time, every time I create anything. Yeah, and, um, it's just I think it's just I mean, if you care about what you're doing, then you, yeah, I feel like that's a, almost an inevitable feeling that you're going to get. Yeah. I mean, and it's funny, like, even when we were doing this podcast, like, I was just thinking, man, do I even really want to talk about this anymore? Like, mm-hmm. nobody's going to care. Nobody's going to like it or whatever. So that's why when you said all the stuff you said, I was just, oh, man, thank you. I needed that. Like, you know. Yeah, no, you, I, and I, like I said, dude, I, I say this without even if I, if I weren't your friend and someone sent me this link and I just happened to, Listen, and I, you know, I'm pretty straight when it comes to that situation. This was this is fantastic work, dude. I just like kudos, uh, you know. And as it goes for, you know, a podcast, like you know, the funny thing about podcasting is that um, it's 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 relatively new in, in, in its genre, in its format. So right. you can do pretty much like, I think the rules kind of are a little loose and as far as what you can get away with. But the one thing that's in, the one thing that I think you can't get away with is putting out content that isn't engaging. Right. And that's really it. Like if you, if it's, if you, if you're, if you do that, I think most formats of the genre will work for you. And this, to me, is about as engaging as it's going to get. Like, it, uh, it feels like a Broadway show. It feels like a a like there's some kind of element to a, to a film to this where, you know, this is serial or and this feels like it could be serialized in, in a lot of ways, you know, so. um yeah, I was. I really, I, and also, um, I loved "Daydream Away." I thought that was that was, the beginning of that song was just so cool oh, and just you. so like you know. That just, that seems to be one that a lot of people always tell me, like, "Ooh, Daydream Away." I really like that one. Yeah, um, it feels good, and and I also like "Can't Stop Now." That that one I liked as well. I loved that. That's interesting. I haven't yeah. gotten a lot of uh, feedback on that one, so I'm, I'm glad you dig that one. Yeah, that I like the whole thing, but those were my, the three that really stuck out for me. Nice. So, um, so you, whatever you're doing, dude, like you, you – oh, and by the way, I wasn't going to let this slide. Uh-oh. <laughs> you're a poet too, dude? I am? Yeah, well, I'm looking I mean, at I, I write lyrics. I'm looking at an in and out of dreaming poems. Oh, that's my father. That's your oh yeah. Well, look, I can. What I want to tell you, dude, is I am very proud of you as a friend. Mm. I think you're a very talented dude. 
you have questionable tastes and friends. We won't get into that one. <laughs> but everything else. I am friends tight. with Amanda. You like uh, Amanda. Right? Oh, Amanda's awesome. Yeah, there you go. So Amanda's awesome. That's only like there are a few people who kind of lift up the level for you. But there's one or so people that, you know. Yeah. Are, are you still mad because. Because um, <laughs> no. he was mean about Daniel Craig. No. Why would I be mad at that? <laughs> I'm not one of those people that holds a grudge too long. So, dude, what? So, what's next? What's what's next for you? What's what's coming up for you next? That uh, I know um, you just performed. Did, did you did you perform? You performed live, uh, like like out in the world recently, right? Oh yeah, I've been doing a lot of that. Like I, I every Thursday, I'm outside of Cafe Watt, and um, I, the change the time changes sometimes. But like I'll be there. Um, what do you mean outside? Coming. Outside. So, so Cafe Wa, um, when the pandemic happened, they started doing the outdoor seating thing. Oh, right. And right. so we would play, you know, in kind of more confined spaces. But since it's still kind of going and it's summer, they've allowed like outdoor uh, concerts to happen in addition to their downstairs uh, oh, thing. That's cool. So, yeah, I'm I'm outside there every Thursday, which is kind of fun. Like it's just me and acoustic guitar, just one man band with just me and acoustic. Um, and I, you know, they're pretty cool. They're like, hey, you know, we we like it when you do um, your thing, you know, and and um, the staff will be like, uh, oh, oh, JT. They'll try to stump me, but I was like, hey, do you know that one ninety song, that two thousand song? <laughs> like um, they asked me for a three doors down song. Uh, uh, last week and I was like oh oh I think I can do that so wow yeah I'm definitely bringing you if I go on Jeopardy and there's a music category dude for sure uh well it depends because they might start talking about like uh, the Katy Perry's and the Ariana Grande's and I, don't, I don't know anything about that don't worry so. we'll give that to Chris um <laughs> Uh, so you're, are you playing anywhere anytime soon that, uh, um, I think, uh, Todd Meredith who's in my band uh, also was in atomic rod reunion. I'm sorry. I didn't mention you, Todd. Um, we are talking about maybe doing a, um, uh, you know, JT Curtis and Mongoose show soon. It's just hard because right now we're catching up on all the work we missed last year. Right. So everybody's insanely busy. Like it, it was weird, man. Like the past two months, not that I'm complaining, mm. were so busy. Like I literally was like, man, I, I need a break. And right. I have to tell myself, well, you just had a break for like a well, year. A year. You, what kind of break you need now? Yeah. <laughs> Um, but we'll see. I mean, I would like to do another show. Um, I'd love to do more with Atomic Rod, but you know, we'll see. It's, you know, Broadway still hasn't quite come back yet. So when musical theater kind of starts figuring itself out, you know, unfortunately in the Heights didn't do very well. Yeah. Um, we, we know there was a lot of issues with that, which I was kind of bummed about cause I, I actually really liked it. Um, yeah. and I was like, I just want something other than Disney or Marvel to do well. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, I haven't watched it yet because I try and I, I just haven't, I haven't had the guts to watch it yet. Cause I, I don't want to hate it. Um, I don't know if I am, but I kind of wanted, like you said, I wanted something 
you know, different and new and, you know, would have been nice to have something like that to kind of be that summertime film that everybody rallies behind. Yeah. But, I mean, uh, it, I definitely, you know, I know perfectly well that there's been some controversy with the Afro-Latino uh, representation and certainly a legitimate criticism. Um, you know, for me, I watched the film. I was like, you know, it seems like a good old fashioned movie musical. You know, right. there's choreography. You know, it's, you know, a lot of fun stuff. Is it as good as the original musical? No. No. But, you know, it's still visually interesting. You know, it's John mm. Woo. He, he makes interesting films, um, you know. So I recommend it, but you know, it's, it's, it's all. Yeah. I'm going to get around to seeing it. I I think we're going to do it on the download podcast, um, probably in the next two weeks or so. So nice. Um, so yeah, I'll, I'll get out there and watch it. I got to watch it before. Um, isn't it, isn't, is it Spielberg that's doing West Side Story? Yep. Yep. He's doing West Side Story. Um, I got to see it before that for sure. Because yeah, you know, they'll, they'll go toe to toe. Um, I I also still gotta I gotta watch Summer of Soul as well. Like I've uh, that that, that's is what, that looks awesome. really cool. I mean, yeah, any, I've been waiting to see that for like six months, man. I, I'm like, oh, any anything that involves BB King, I will watch. Like that's mm. the thing. And you're like, wait, footage of BB King from 1969? Hell yeah, I'm gonna watch yeah, that. <laughs> yeah, that must have been that must be so good. So oh, yeah. and 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 that Quest Love was in in the production of it makes me feel that they got it right. So yeah, yeah, they they'll it they'll probably do justice and they'll let things actually play out. But yeah, we'll see. I haven't seen it yet. I'll I'll do a review of it once I see it. Well, cool, dude. Well, this was fun, man. I'm glad I got to sit down and talk to you about yeah your, man. your career. Yeah, glad uh, we got to discuss how much we hated school and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, and, um, you know, everyone should definitely, you know, get a chance to watch Atomic Rod Reunion. Um, It's on YouTube. We'll put the link down in the body of the actual podcast so that people can go up there and and listen to it and, and enjoy it. It's really good. Definitely subscribe to his channel and you know if you really want to help him go over to his patreon and support everything that he does because this man does a lot of great content and because he's also one of the co-hosts of the drop the the download podcast 007 edition so that's right i am one of the co-hosts don't make me do it And you can follow him on Instagram at JT Curtis Music. <laughs> JT, thank you for being on the show, man. Uh, thank you, this Darren. Was, that was, this was, that was fun. fun. Yeah, man. Um, for anyone who wants to follow me, if you're still interested, I'm at Darren Jenkins 919. And um, until our next episode, I am Darren Jenkins. Thank you for being on the show today. Thank you for listening, everyone. Stay safe, everyone. Peace. <laughs>